Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming again. So part two of the conversation with Mr. Tim Hoffman. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. <laughs> Bye. Greg Sheldon here, your host of Metal Steel Manufacturing and Business Pro Podcast, where you learn everything about the metals and manufacturing industry that make your modern day life possible. We're going to make it, you know? Yeah. We're the kids that only want to go to school for four hours a day. <laughs> That's for sure. Sometimes I didn't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's uh, and it's. But you know what? Maybe we're going to be forced into having those small teams, right? Because of the population thing that's changing, right? It, it is, it's pretty it, scary. It may work out, though, right? In the, in the long run. I think so. I think I think well, I think everything tends to work out. We seem to be um, well, that's the, that's good at that. Human part is that's the beauty, right? We we will prevail. Humans yeah. will always prevail, right? Yep. We'll figure it out. We'll find a way, and uh, thank God for that. So yeah, I'm I'm happy about that. Cool, man. So, what are some of the things happening at the company these days? What what's what are some challenges and some good things that are happening? So, some good things are well. Good things, I guess, would be, um, like I said, so the stuff that we're we're doing in house, innovating with inventory systems. We're yeah, really, we're really um, overhauling our our systems and trying to really get a standard procedure really knocked down. So we've had um, so, I guess our longest guy there now has been there thirty five years. Holy lifting! Yeah. And he's a, a brake operator. Yeah, is that the picture he, of the guy in the on the website? So no, the picture. What one? No, um, well, there's a gentleman sitting in front of the brake press. Yeah, on that cool chair. So that, no, I didn't notice the chair. But. So, so the the gentleman sitting on in front of the brake press is Frank, not Frank Clayton. Frank Hoffman. Uh, he's my. He'd be my uh, great uncle, and he just passed away this oh, year. Sorry, Frank, man. we lost Frank. Yeah, Frank. I actually, you know what? That's a good thing you brought that up. So that's the full story that talk about how business is done differently now. So Frank, Frank's uh, first job at Clayton's when he was 16 was to drive Frank Clayton, who would have been Frank Clayton's son, um, around and he would get business. So how he would get business, they would drive from bar to bar and that's how business was done. There would be other business owners in there. He would get all the business for the day. The next morning, Frank would pick them up in the morning. They'd drive down to the office. He'd bring everybody all the work. Then he'd get any work that he had, you know, then he'd bring them back out to the bars. They'd go. He'd be betting people uh, one football team and go to the next bar, bet the guy the opposite football team. So he never had to pay anybody. Um, but so Frank, Frank started doing that. And then Frank um, started bending. I guess probably when he was like 18. Right. And then he operated the brake for 50 years. Man. 50 years. And he was like, that was his favorite line. Houdini couldn't bend that. That, <laughs> that guy you're seeing there, that chair he did is a one made out of one piece of aluminum. And it's bent. It was like a ribbon chair that we did a prototype for that banded up. Uh, I think shipping off to Italy or something, have them pumped out. But let me just see if I can get the thing here. I'm uh, I'm curious to look at it right now. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's one whole piece. 
Let me just go to your profile here. And we'll put a picture up of it. I've never done that on a podcast episode. Put a picture up. So this is, yeah, man. This is new territory. So I may screw it up is what I'm saying. That's all right. <laughs> okay. Images. There we go. Let me just share screen. Is that the, you can't really see the chair. The yellow chair? Yeah. You can't really see the chair, but anyway. So that yellow is a vinyl tape that we use to protect it. Right. That, so it was like a mirror. So it was a mirror polished. It almost looked like um, like it was oblong, like a tongue. Mm -hmm. and it had a split up the middle. So then it was bent uh, off the top of my head. I believe it was bent all the way down and came back. And then it was bent all the way over and, and down. That. So Frank, Frank didn't operate via technology. There you go. Yeah, so you can't. Uh, yeah, you don't get to say it all. But no. that, so that chair is, is, if you Googled, I think it was like called the fluid ribbon chair or something like that. Fluid ribbon chair? Um, something like that, yeah. Aluminum? Uh, yeah, there was a guy that. that yeah, it? There it is. That's there it. it. Is. That's it. <laughs> that is it, man. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so you can find there's a pretty cool article somewhere on it. I don't know where it is, but and it talks about being made there. They embellished a little bit in the article about ah, I think they I forget what they used, but Frank bent that thing. And Frank didn't Frank didn't bend with CNC. Frank didn't bend, he was old school. So he did that on a, a coining break with uh it was like um you know on, on a bumping setting. So it was just Continually hitting, and he just yeah. worked that thing, you know. And he he was proud of that. You see him? He sat in that chair, man. He was, and that was Christ. He had to be about sixty something when he did that. Cool. And he was there for, he I, was there forever. Frank was a good guy, man. Frank was my grandfather's brother. So there were three brothers there at one point. Four. With my uncle Ray, uh, my uncle Frank, uh, my uncle Charles, and then my grandfather Ed. It was pretty interesting because so we got to the Claytons where my my dad great aunt married Frank Clayton and they didn't have kids. Oh. So then she took over way before you wow. saw a lot of women owners. She took over. Yeah. Then she ended up uh getting a brain tumor. Oh dear. Oh, it gets better though. So this happened. Maybe she was in her sixties or fifties. Yeah. So she outlived the next three neurologists that told her she was going to pass away from the tumor. And until the day she died, I mean, she was as sharp as a tack. Yeah. No cognitive decline. No. Wow. Multiple strokes. I remember that was like we had a Thanksgiving dinner. She had a stroke at the table, and I was like, "What is going on?" And they're like, "Don't worry about it." will be over in a minute. <laughs> and then she was, she was, she was fine after that, and she asked for a course light. <laughs> but she, awesome. she took over. Uh, but then after she had the brain tumor, her brother, who was a baker, my grandfather's father, uh, he was like, I don't know anything about 
steel industry. And she's like, well, neither did I. And here we are. Um, yeah, it's a shame that Frank, the guy who started the company, Frank Clayton, Frank B. Clayton, he only saw it for about four years. Oh, dear. This is going to sound tragic. He, um, But this is actually another cool story, too, that you don't get hear about stuff that uh, wouldn't probably happen today. So he starts this business, uh, basically tin knocking, making copper gutters, you know, little trinkets here or there. Started a horse and buggy in the middle of Center City, Philadelphia, which is like now a bustling spot. So it's kind of hard to think of uh, that kind of industry being there, where it is, what's good, it's there today now. And uh, so Frank goes swimming with his family, dives in the Delaware River, and breaks his neck. Oh, my God. And dies. And dies. So he does that. He's only four years into the business. His brother takes over and says, I'll run the business until the kids are old enough to take it over. And he did. So they, they turned 18, and he gave them the business back. Huh. And, and, that, and then, you know. Wow. The rest that's is history. That's amazing. Which I find awesome because I, I find it hard to believe. I like to fancy myself as saying I would do that for my brother, but I do find think like you'd be hard pressed to find somebody run a company that's commitment for basically eighteen years. Yeah, and then turn it all over to the kids and say, "Hey, this is you know." Yeah, you would, that would be that is very admirable, right? Because you would because you'd get emotional about it, you'd care about it, and just to. But I guess initially he did it for family, so yeah, that's uh, you got a pretty good family there, man. <laughs> yeah, I just bought I just bought a, a couple bill. Funny too, my dad. He's like, "What are you doing buying them?" I just bought bill heads I found on eBay from our company from uh, nineteen oh six, like a bill head, so like a like it's a pretty ornate like uh, a bill like you would send but it was really ornate up top oh really frank b clayton purveyor of fine metals oh, and like, cool. yeah and i mean it, the the top of the letterhead is it's a shame now you see like our letterhead now is just like a little logo in the corner and this thing was i'll, I'll send you a picture of it i, I mean it was it. like yeah oh, it was like a carnival it was so it was so beautiful so beautiful and, and it's just funny because now you won't see anything like that oh but it was uh 1906 i had to buy them off a guy in milwaukee really what was he doing with them <laughs> i don't know i couldn't even contact them to talk to them so i have a zippo of ours from 1964 a zippo lighter really that's yeah, awesome. pretty cool in the box I, I bought that off ebay and then uh a couple bill heads so there's one i'm trying to hunt down again uh where it's a bill head with our company and a horse and buggy on the front of it. So, so I'm trying to, because for whatever reason, there was a lot of stuff that I, that's one thing I don't like. There's a lot of stuff that wasn't kept. I'm like, man, we could have, you know, some pretty cool history that we don't even know about. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I never even thought of that. Like I should look into that for my family. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. If the stuff you could find, I'm sure it'd be, uh, I'd love cool. that. That's awesome, man. Cool. So, um, so challenges in the business. What what's happening? Is everything going well? Or I think everything's going well. Like I briefly touched on. I feel like we're going to head back to like a a nineteen twenties model of manufacturing in the sense that I think it's going to be manufacturing done in localized regions, right? So if you're putting up a hospital in Ontario, maybe you're not going to Alberta for the parts, right? Like you're going to get them from somewhere close to. Ontario because it's going to cut down on the gas and fuel used to get there the energy right and I think 
think it's going to be, um, I think this reshoring in America isn't just going to be this big thing where everybody moves to Mexico. I mean, you know, I do think Mexico is the new China, but I don't think they're just going to be pumping out parts like that. I think, yeah, like I said, I think it goes back to a regional manufacturing kind of thing. And we're definitely picking up on that now. Yeah. Um, our yeah. construction end has slowed up a little bit, but I think that's interest rates, right? The Fed here in America keeps raising rates. Uh, yeah. People don't want to hear it. They've talked about another one. They basically figured that in. So I think you're going to see another one, which is going to put, uh, I think they're at five and a half percent now. So if they do another quarter, they'll take it to five and three quarters. Um, so I think the, the commercial, obviously, construction and commercial real estate for the most part, whether it's hospital stuff or uh, buildings. So I think that's that's slowed up slightly. And I, a lot of people we talk to don't see that coming back big until 2024. Um, but I, we also do a lot of food stuff and that's not stopped. So we do a lot of machinery for food processing mm -hmm. and that's, that's stayed strong throughout uh, this downturn. But yeah, I don't know where you guys are at in Canada, but I think we're we're probably like in the a year in. I think we're a year into a recession, no matter what they they kind of tweak the definition of it. We're a year in, and I think we're probably another at least six months to a year till we get out of it. And I don't know if yeah. we get out of it um, the way people typically think where it's going to start booming again. I think it was a little bit of a, a different kind of recession where it's like exaggerated, right? Like everybody was waiting for this now and this hammer to fall. I think it's already been hitting us in the head and we haven't even realized it yet because we were living, you know, I think like you said, people's priorities changed after COVID, mm -hmm. right? So I think people are in a different place too where yep. maybe they don't even realize. No, right? I, I, I'm happy. The... You're happy doing what you're doing. And well, then people were thinking it was bad. It was probably when things are bad, I think they continually feel bad. So I agree with that to a degree. Like my mindset is not to focus on that. So I try to just continue to do the things that I do. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm aware I pay attention to the markets. I yeah. pay attention to everything that's happening, but I also don't get caught up in the negativity of it. Like, because it's just not beneficial. Right. Listen, you can't, you can't. And I think you can look at some of the best, uh, finance minds ever Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger. There's nothing you can do. You can't. The best uh, do it, the best way to right look at things that are going to affect your bit. What's going to take your business down is in the mirror, man. That's right. It's not in the market. It's no not in the market. So you can. I think you can't prepare for it uh, in the sense that I think you should be fiscally responsible. Right. Run your business as cheaply as possible. That's how you stay alive. Right. There's, yeah. 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 Every business that goes out of business goes out for the same reason. They run out of money. They, and that's that's the bottom line. You can cut it up any way you want. So I think like your point, you can't prepare for that, right? Maybe you have some capital set aside and, and you run cheap, but besides that, like there's no No. You can't prepare for the market. I mean, the COVID was a great example. I mean, I don't know how, what they did in Canada and in, in, in America. We basically, Trump came on and said two weeks to flatten the curve. So we were like basically told, you know, hey, you're done for two weeks. Uh, but since we do do food stuff, we got exemptions, excuse me, right away. Yeah. 
and we were back up and up. But I still feel maybe that initial two weeks, we all stayed home. So with that said, you can't prepare because you don't, how do you prepare for that? Yeah. As a restaurant, how do you prepare for two weeks of no selling food? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as as a steel mill, how do you pair, prepare for two weeks of not producing steel? Yeah. I mean, I th- so I don't think I, I like that kind of uh, mind frame, like you said. I I try well. One, anybody who knows me will tell you I'm fairly positive. That kind of stuff. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. I hate, I hate that term. It is what it is. But I think it is fitting when you talk about uh, markets and stuff because you can't protect them. Everybody thinks they can protect them. Suck at it. Hundred um, <laughs> percent. Right. right. Yeah. Like, I mean, we can talk about all this stuff with the podcast here today, and it's like. Do we really know what we're talking about? No, we're just no, talking about the history. That's and right. You don't. You. That's the one thing you can't write is what's happening in front of you. So yeah, I mean, you can't foresee what's going to happen. So I think you just you run a business as lean as possible. Yeah. Uh, spend as little money as possible. Yeah, you prepare as best you can, right? With the information you have from the past. I mean, there are some predictors of oh, yeah stuff, right? That you can see in the markets, but. Like on a day-to-day basis, all I'm saying is, you know, I can't just sit and, and stew, right? Just like you won't. I mean, it's not beneficial to anybody. So Mm-mm. there's no crystal ball and uh, man plans, God laughs, that sort of stuff, right? So, I like that one. Man, yeah. God that. Yep. that is the truth there. <laughs> yes, that is the is. truth there. That's a um, very good way of putting it. I think so. I mean, I learned that from somebody that's much wiser and smarter than me. So... It, it just just like your mom <laughs> <laughs> yes that's where i seem to have learned all everything i hope she doesn't see this man so, uh, well i can guarantee she'd be proud she'll never let me hear that or live that down but man if i could go back on all the things that she wasn't wrong much no. you know no wasn't wrong much no absolutely right um so yeah. what are you guys seeing up there with in terms well, of reassurance. everything that happens in the u.s is what happens here i mean that's just a theme right it's basically the same country there's just a border in between um here it's a little more um there's less entrepreneurial spirit in canada i would say there's it's still alive and well but it's just not what it is in the u.s there's a bit more of a uh what would you say nanny state here in a way um but that's not everybody and i don't want to generalize um just that's what i see and that's why i have such a strong passion for the u.s i just like the way it's structured um just more fitting to who i am as a person so but what are we seeing in canada certainly the local stuff is i mean we just did a battery factory here not like an hour away from here right which is pretty cool you know a lot of money was spent on that but you know, it's local. It's now we're not going to wherever China to get batteries. So that's good to see. Um, the the steel markets are consistent. Um, the pricing of everything has gone up like it has in the US. Like it's yeah. insane. I can't even believe it. Like um, my wife, my son, or yeah, my son and I took a week to just be together, hang out and go do yeah. stuff between the gas and all the things, like I spent a thousand dollars in a week yep. just on yep. having fun. Like, yep. I could not believe it. I was like, "That's insane!" And I mean, I wasn't like spending like crazy either. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing normal things, 
I couldn't anyway. So I would say, you know, there's some there's some concern from people because of the prices of everything, right? So there's a lot of fear, I would say. Um, I'm not certain of that, but I think that the the closed group that I am a part of are all we're thinking about that, right? right? Like things are getting expensive. What are we gonna do? Right. So um so you have to watch your your dollars just like in a business even you know a person is like a business as well right you just got to yeah. watch how you're spending and but be positive so yeah i i i i i do do tend to, to believe that i think this is going to really like you said i think people got um there was like a the paradigm shift of after covid like bringing value to your life bringing value to a project, bringing value yes. to whatever you're doing. And because of that, I do think we are going to see some um, yeah, some cool things come out of it on the back end. And I like... I well, and the, the local stuff is happening, not just in our industry. Like, I mean, there's... I've got a cousin that has a business doing uh, microgreens. Like, they have a farm and they sell these microgreens. And they sell a lot of them. And people are getting tired of being eating like highly processed stuff right and the, oh my god yeah the, cult, the culture has shifted towards yeah. like eating whole green whole foods um and like that's a whole rabbit hole but that you know it's it's the it's really cool that that's happening and people want to buy local i mean and they deliver and that's great and but it's just and we have the technology to be able to, to connect the pieces right so yeah on you can go on the internet and buy them from them and then they deliver them and like so people are thinking local they want to buy local things and i just i'm thankful for that right so yeah man people are changing and it's good in a good way that is a a good change right i think to to get away from the big um well they're they're almost to your point like when we talked about earlier and you're like you know what do they do if they want to scale up I think everybody wants to scale, but I don't think people real. I don't think anybody wants to be that big, right? To where it becomes this, like where it's almost lost. Like the like the food. What happened to the food? Like, well, what happens? Like the companies become so big, and they're you know, and I don't want to say a knock on capitalism, right? But it, no, I'm not either. I love capitalism. Oh, dude, you can't get more capitalistic than me. I'm like, the, I'm one of them opposite guys. I'm like, they don't even try it, man. Like. When you talk about a free market, there's no bailouts. Like the free market is you you're going under because you didn't service the market. Like yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um I, so I think that like when they get that big, like they, it just becomes not sucking as much as the other one, right? And that that food is a byproduct of that, right? Then mm-hmm. it came to the point, like I don't wanna um, what do they say, uh shit where I eat, but well, of course, like, but you're not. I mean, I go to these food factories, some of them, and I'm like, man, if you saw what was in here, like, you'd nobody would be eating this stuff. Like, <laughs> if you saw this place in action, man, like a raw meat factory is like the most overwhelming, yeah, like, and then one smell, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, you know, we we need those factories. I've I've worked in those types of factories all my life, right, and not worked but worked as a contractor right yeah, yeah like doing the things speaking of which there's a cool app which i wanted to bring up earlier but i'm bringing it up now uh 
which you can use the LiDAR on your phone to scan 3D scan. Uh -huh. Like if you're building products in a pro in a production line and you need yep. to know what that space is, yeah, you can go back to the drawing board and yep. be around that because I assume that's something that you do or one of your guys does. Yep. Uh, this helps you get your drawings more accurate because then you have a re visual representation of that area. Anyway, so it scans the whole room. As well, not the whole room, but even like any little section that you want. Like, let's yeah. say you've got a three foot section that you got to build a little part for, or let's say it's a bigger part. It's like 10 feet. You can scan that with your iPhone. I don't know if you have an iPhone. Yep. yep. And you can get that 3D representation of that area. Cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah there's cool. an opportunity there, I think. And we can talk about that sometime. But uh, anyway, we do need these food processing plants too because i mean we have to have a uh a, a, a balance i think between the high production stuff and the local stuff because we yeah. got we got to feed people right people need to be fed and um we can't go right back to everybody's on a farm no and i don't think that's you know that's not probably not even beneficial for everybody right yeah um because it doesn't work you, no for, it doesn't work for everybody and to your point if you have a city, um, for example, like Los Angeles, there's no way no a farm outside Los Angeles feeding Los Angeles. <laughs> no. Um, but I do uh it's it's popular here too. Um, I do like the the move towards uh you know, I mean that's actually sustainability, right? Like the more the localized, you know, we get well, we're in Pennsylvania, so Lancaster County is like a big uh, farm contingent yeah. area with the Amish. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're like a... Yeah. Yeah, so they're, it's beautiful. Though. Dude, and and it's like they're all about farming, right? So like yeah. you go there and they're, you go down the roads, they're all on the side of the roads with their stands, fresh fruit, fresh produce, and it's like, so I mean I'm we're lucky in that sense that we're not you know thirty we're thirty minutes from like buying half a cow if we want. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean we live on a farm, but the, up the street they sell pigs. So that kind of stuff is is good. But to your point, we do need um, the industrialized I think so. uh, commercial food too. But I think if we all just you know not a kumbaya mode, but the, took account for you know. I think sustainability goals are actually going to help drive that kind of stuff, what you're saying. They're going to get people to kind of reduce the footprint. And when you reduce the footprint, how do you reduce the footprint? Well, we're going to reduce it by sourcing things that are closer to us, <clears throat> which then hopefully does, you know, mm -hmm. push more of a localized. And, and I don't want to say small, but, you know, smaller footprint. Yep. Yep. Absolutely, man. Cool. So. Um... What'd you learn from your mom? What didn't I learn from my mom? <laughs> my mom. What I learned from my mom, I guess, the biggest thing I learned from my mom is uh, be helpful. Very good. Right? Yeah. I think my mom is probably the kindest person I've ever met. Right. And I think because of that, I'm a better leader for it and a better person for it. So I think being kind. Yeah. And I think that sounds cliche, but my mom was like, she's still alive, so I shouldn't say was. <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she is like the epitome of like, you know, to turn the other cheek, um, to not be, you know, uh, 
combative where I can tend to be um, not combative, but like, you know, strong personalities. So challenging. challenging. Yeah, I can be challenging. And I think, um, you know, she really just drove home, um, be grounded and work hard and, uh, yeah, you know, to care and to try to, to lift people up. So, and I think that's what I try to do on a daily basis. And I, I know I'm not uh, best at it, but I continue to work at it and try. So that's all that matters, man. Everybody has no. We're all human, right? Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not a big. I'm. I'm probably. I. I don't subscribe to the foul, foul, foul. What's thing. that? I, I like. Well, people. I think. Uh, you, people like to uh, talk in cliches where it's like it's good to fail and it's good to. Well, and I, don't get me wrong. Failure, I think, builds character. But sure. I don't think it's good to fail. I don't think I. I think it's. I think you need to learn to fail, and you need to learn to fail gracefully. But I don't think. I think that's actually a backwards. I think like in business, you don't want to fail. You want to succeed, and I think you want to put yourself in a position to succeed. And if you fail too many times in business, you fail. Well, I would say that. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, I'd push back on that a little bit. Like, yeah, you gotta. I find you learn the most when you've when you screw things up right Hopefully i think not so catastrophic that <laughs> yeah but to your point there that's why i think um so like if if, you, if i was to say to you like what's the best book on business right well there's a lot of them. most most people want to go to a business book i think the books that are best on business are biographies huh. because they're full of other people's failures that you can read and hopefully not replicate those failures right okay. like i i'm I'm not opposed the sense, the premise of learning from failure and all that makes great sense to me. But the act of failing, I do not think is productive and I don't think it helps people. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, every every time I'm trying to do something, I'm genuinely trying to get to the winning position. Oh, no doubt. But you just, and and I, I, I agree with you on the biographies. I haven't read a lot of them and I should, you're, you're right. I like that point. But also, um, it's the little things they don't describe in these biographies. It's the little things that you don't do. Like, they give you the big picture, and that's great, and you need that. But it's the little tiny steps in between where I suck at. Like, I, I, I'm bad at the little details, right? I know where the big thing can be, but mm-hmm. the little details. So, I, that's what I mean by mistakes. It's those little things you screw up along the way to the bigger thing. So. No, no, and I, I, yeah, that's probably I probably sound too harsh on that one. I'm not saying that it's, okay. it's a bad thing. I just think people overvalue it, right? Where it's like you don't have to fail as much as everybody. Yeah, there's plenty of people who have failed and have written all about it and told you how to avoid it. That is true, right? And I, th- I think too, that some of them biographies. So yeah, some do stink, but um, like I think a like an unbelievable biography that kind of changed, blew my mind was a uh, Made in America the story of Sam Walton. And I think when you read that, it's hard to not look at Walmart as a technology company after you read something like that. Okay. I'll read I it. Mean, I haven't read it. I will. Sam Walton flew a plane to look at traffic patterns to figure out where to put stores. Wow. Like, I mean, this guy was way ahead of the time. No kidding. Tot- totally not inclined to technology, but was hell bent on putting people around him that would force him yeah. to do it. And he used to like to say like, yeah. you know, 
I didn't think of it, but I let the guy make the decision that did. Like, and I just think you're, I think there's, so when you look at uh, stories like him or you look at, um, uh, what else is another? Well, Saul Price, I just said to my wife, uh, he's the guy from FedMart. So there you go. Dealing ideas, I think, is a business practice that is taboo, but people don't realize the best businesses they all admit. Like, That's you know, right. like, that, like Sam Walton in that box says, there isn't a good idea I haven't stolen. No, absolutely, man. And sometimes the best businesses are the second ones or the third ones to try. Oh, yeah. New, right? Because what's well, the- like, do you want to be the first person in a space or the last mover in a space? Yeah. Right. So to your point, like, is it the first business? So it's like, we look at open AI now, but who's really creeping around that's going yeah. to really displace them. And I'm sure there's somebody, you know, for so. sure. There's always, there's always, it's like when you're in the bar and they're like, there's always, you think you're the toughest guy, but there's always a guy tougher than you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yep. Same concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's life, right? Yeah. That's all the, the like, it's all power laws, right? 20% of the 80%. Yeah. And that's with everything. That's with your flowers in the garden. Yeah. You know, 20% of the roses produce 80% of the flowers. And it's the same thing in business. 20% of the companies produce 80% of the revenue. Yeah. And it's the same thing. I mean, you, it's, it's everywhere, I think, in the world. Yes. And that's another, you know, it's just so, the, the, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. So what about, what do you think about competition? In what do I think about competition? Yeah. I say. Uh, I'm going to give you all the things that I think are bad. The business. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That's thinks, good. That's... That everybody else thinks are good. I think competition is the worst. Well, no, no. I think there's two things to this. Competition is good because it tells you that there's demand for something. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also keeps other people, keeps you honest um, Mm -hmm. in the sense of like, you don't become the monopoly in in the market. I think you should though. But I'm not saying you don't. I'm not done yet. Mm -hmm. Competition is also, I believe you should work with your competition and everybody can win in the market in the, in the same horizontal, sometimes verticals, like let's take the metal industry, right? I think yeah. they can all work together. And then who knows, sometimes things happen and you can buy that company or they could buy you or whatever, right? You could become, I think there needs to be a new approach to M&A, mergers and acquisitions industry, mm-hmm. where it's more of a collaborative, let's work, let's make this industry better together instead of fighting over pennies you know what i mean well i think that's a, you that's a good point you bring up right that's an interesting about um working with your competition because i would subscribe to that right i think if you build up the market itself that's yep. how you do it by working with the competition for sure and your competitors i do i do probably think that for the most people where i don't think competition is the best thing in business i think drive down margins does right. the more competitors in a space will drive down the margins yep I, we've talked about innovation i don't think that comes from competition right i think what happens when people think innovation comes from competition i think that's more of uh you know what happens there is you just actually end up making the same product and iterating little different pieces of it where i think the innovation comes from being forced to change that's, well right? like 
Yeah. It comes like from dying. That's right. right. Well, or, or a major pain point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Can't stand doing this anymore. I need to change it. Mm-hmm. And then you create something, right? That's what my experience has been. Has that been yours? Yeah. Yeah. Like the inventory uh, system? Like, is that what? And that inventory system um, started out as a book, then as an Excel spreadsheet, and then has finally gotten to this. And from a need, because what we do different is I, I get a lot of customers, too. If I buy this, we charge everything uh, by the pound. So the way we do it is there's drops that are stored. So now we can track drops to the, we know how much each piece of metal in the whole building cost because we can track that drop from the inception of a purchase order that's created to, and yeah, that comes out of necessity. Right. And that's the value. So there's another thing like, so there, how do you create the value? Well, that's that kind of stuff. It's easy to then turn to a customer and say, this is my inventory system that we created. Here's your piece of metal. Here's when it was shipped in. Here's who, who logged it in. Here's who handled it. Here's the material that it sits in corresponding bins with, you know, and, and it's comforting, right? You're shipping and we, cause we house, we fabric or we furnish and fabricate. So we house customers material in, in stock in our facility and we get in deliveries daily of uh, steel and yeah, stainless steel and brass and mm-hmm. bronze and all the fun stuff. So yeah, I think that kind of stuff comes from, a, 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 like you said, a, a pinch point or a pain point. And so I, that's why I don't think the competition breeds many good things. Um, but I do like that, uh, what you said about comp- uh, working with your competition, because I do believe that, right? If you want to benefit from the market, it needs yeah. to be built. Well, I think, yeah, man, I, that's part of a mission I have. Like, Because I, I worked for so many guys over the years where it's like they always hated their competition, like hated them. And I was just like, what You're is doing the, something wrong? Why do you have to hate people on like they're we're all in the same we're all in this thing together? Like, why are you hating on the other person? You're scared, man. Right? I mean, especially in our industry, it's a you need to differentiate your commodity. That's right. And, right. And if you're not going to do that, then I guess you will hate your competition because You've you'll be scared on. at every turn. You compete on um, like one of the things, so the things I do, like with LinkedIn and posts I do, really what that is, is because it, it came from an idea of like, when you think of chef, right? What chef do you think of? Gordon like Ramsay. If I was to say, you know, Nate, Gordon Ramsay, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. But what do they all have in common? Metal. <laughs> They're teachers. Oh, okay. Right? They're teachers. Like they're yes. bringing you value. Yes. Right. Like you like Gordon Ramsay, not because he's the best chef ever, but because he teaches you. Yes. Right. And you like Bobby Flay for the same reason. He teaches you. He brings you value. So when I started doing those LinkedIn posts, it was the new year. And I was like, I'm going to post on every Monday for the next 52 weeks. And then the next three corresponding days, I will post about that topic that I brought up on Monday. And I won't do anything Friday. And everybody keeps telling me in my inbox, you got to do Friday. I'm like, listen, man, I'm not, I Friday, like we want to all get out of here, man. Like, <laughs> I don't want to have to, to think anything or type anything up for Friday. So it's like, but that, that was my whole thing was like, 
I, that was the value I thought we could bring. Yeah, man. And I think we, and, and because of that, I'm telling people what we do, how we do it, because I already have the head start. And I think it's good to share because I think it, and in the long run, it'll benefit me just like it benefits all those chefs that you know. That's right. Because they're not all the best chefs, but they are all <laughs> teachers. That's right. And that's the, and that's the difference. So, okay. and I'm not, I'm not much of a teacher, but I think I can bring value. And I well, think, you know, some, you know, a lot of things that somebody else doesn't know. I mean, you know, a lot of things anyway, but you, when, if there's a young person that's 20 years old, you know, you know, a lot more than they do. So if they're going to read that, they're going to learn some things. Right. And we, we tend to forget that. And this is something that I just recently learned. It's like, because we all sometimes we, we tend to question our own abilities sometimes. Right. And, but even if you're a year ahead of somebody, you still have that year of information more than somebody else. Right. And then a year of mistakes or or wins or a combination yeah no but yeah the year of of uh life the year of life and so you have something you can spread and share with them right so i agree i agree i i love your posts keep doing them i'm trying i I bet you will do more than 52 i probably will i have a, a list uh so i wrote out the 52 topics yeah i've been going through them so i do we do have some cool ones coming up i'm working on an essay so i'm an artist I'm colorblind, which is weird. My wife is an amazing uh, Chinese uh, watercolor uh, brush painter. Yeah. So, she, so art is big in our family, and cool. I'm, I'm working on an essay where the intersection of art and metal meet. Awesome. I think, like, uh, as a custom manufacturer, we get to see. That's why I love custom manufacturing. Is people are like, you need to come up with some kind of part that you can just pump out, and I'm like, dude, I get to sit there. That ribbon chair that you saw. Yeah. Um, we've done stuff for SpaceX. We've done stuff cool. for Tesla. We've done uh, uh, Challenger Seven, I think it was, or something like that. We did this sweet monument for NASA. That's awesome. You know that we were part of. So it's like I've gotten to see so much cool stuff come through. You know that I would never. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I would never want to sit there and make you know the same product over and over. No, no offense to the companies that do but man i like there's something about you know seeing something new for sure. all the time and getting to work on stuff that's you know pretty much some stuff nobody's even seen before because they're all concepts or you know yeah what yeah. have you and i i i'm an artist as, as well and that's something that i'd like to do and you know later in life is start doing like sculptures or whatever right there's a book for you to read then the war of art the war what is it the war of art the war of art yeah so not the art of war the war of art um i keep uh telling my wife same thing i tell my wife she should quit her corporate job (laughs) and start painting man and i tell anybody that like don't wait until you're older for that stuff dude uh get at it now and don't don't stop doing what you're doing now but no you're right you're probably a better person when you're doing it right like and i my wife's a wonderful person and i'm not saying you're a bad person but i just know when she's painting on a regular basis yeah she's in like it's like a drug it really yeah. is i'm yeah. sure it is a drug like dopamine or whatever going on oh, yeah. some kind of serotonin oh. but whatever it is 
Yeah. Well, this too, though, powerful. this, this is good too. Like the art of the conversation, right? Like it's, it's a challenge and like a really, it was a personal challenge at the beginning. And it was also because it was something I was passionate about the industry, but it's also morphed into like learning about people and like learning the the art of flowing a conversation. And it's, I really enjoy it. Like I really enjoy it. You know, do you find it's just, you find something every time to improve on or. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. Every time. Um, I don't typically watch the episodes like I'm not really interested in watching myself. Yeah. Um, because I've already had the conversation, so I don't need okay. to, <laughs> you know you lived it. You lived it. It was the experience yeah. shared, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I learned something. I but it's never the exactly the same, and I like that, right? Mm-hmm. So um the questions, I do prepare questions, but I never like it's never like these are the exact questions I'm gonna ask. Like it's just kind of a talking point. Like you can see here, they're just yep, like this is kind of where I want to go. Jumping off. But I didn't even for the first hour we were talking and I didn't even go here. I was just like in the moment, right? Yeah. Anyway, man. Um, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. It's really nice to talk to you. And I love some of the stuff you're doing. Um, I would let's keep talking, man. Likewise. Likewise, Greg. Okay. Cool. Awesome, man. All right. Take care. Uh, yeah, we'll be uh I'll be in touch soon. You got it. Be safe. Amen. Have a good one. You got to take care. Greg Sheldon here, your host of Metal Steel Manufacturing and Business Pro Podcast, where you learn everything about the metals and manufacturing industry that make your modern day life possible.